Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners, Jackie Mingle, is sitting across from me. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, and Jackie, we're going to talk about trust contests, not will contests. We have talked about will contests on this podcast before, and we've mentioned trust contests. But of course, one of the reasons that people might want to consider creating a, a revocable living trust is precisely because trust contests are a, a little harder to initiate and maintain. Uh, is that true? Is it really harder to do a trust contest? It is harder to do a, a trust contest, uh, Robert. And one of the reasons for that is that not it's, it's harder to figure out if uh, uh, trusts are more private, sorry, um, than, uh, than wills are. Wills have to be, when they go through the probate process, become part of the public record. And anyone who is an heir uh, of the decedent gets a notice of that contest. So somebody could be cut out of the will entirely, but they would still get notice of, of the proceeding. And then they would have an ability, ability to get a copy of the document and, and contest the will that way. With a trust, it's a more private proceeding. So there is no filing, there is no notice that's required to heirs. Only people who are actually receiving something under the trust get notice. So the person that may be cut out of the distributions doesn't get any information about what might be in the document or that they um, were even cut out. So it's a much more private process and therefore it can, it can rock along uh, undetected by uh, anyone who might want to contest it. I know a lot of my clients who are listening because they've said this as much to me, they probably think, wait a minute, I wrote a will so that I wouldn't have to go to probate. Didn't I avoid the probate oh. court by writing oh. a will? And the will obviously does not um, avoid the, the probate proceeding. Um, if you just have a will plan and your estate is valued at more than $75,000 in Arizona, um, if it's under 75000 in Arizona, you can avoid the probate process too, but that doesn't apply to very many estates. So if you have a will plan, not a trust, typically your assets will need to go through probate um, because a will by itself does not, does not avoid um, that, that process. I guess we need to say most people who die don't end up having their estates go through the probate process at all because they've named beneficiaries or they've they've held all their assets as joint tenants or something. A minority of, of deaths end up in uh, probate proceedings in Arizona and probably in most Arizo most states in the country. Um, so it's not like just because you write a will, you will have to go through pro probate court, but writing a will won't be the thing that keeps you out of probate court either. And Robert, that brings up a good point. Um, if you're trying to avoid a contest um, of, your, of how your assets are distributed, beneficiary designations can be a good way to do that because they're even harder to trace than a, than a trust would be. So if you have individual beneficiaries on all your accounts and you leave out um, somebody you don't want to receive anything under their estate, under your estate, there's, there's no, almost no way that they can figure out, piece together all of your accounts and who got them all to contest them all. Um, it would be very difficult. So that is one strategy that can be used if you have a problematic person in your family that you know is going to cause trouble. But let's suppose that you've created a revocable living trust, you've transferred all your assets to it, you have not relied on beneficiary designations as the way to pass your estate. 
there's a, there may be a will, there probably is a will, but it doesn't go to probate because there are no assets in your name. Is it possible for the beneficiaries and for the heirs who you've written out of the trust to contest the terms of the trust? It is always possible to have uh, the terms of any document contested. Um, you know, you're never completely 100% safe, uh, but there are certain things that you can do to make it less likely. Um, but, but anybody who gets a notice of the trust, they'll get a copy of the portions that pertain to them. They can share it with other family members, and then it can become you know, widely dispersed and then a document that could be contested. Um, with a trust contest, though, the person contesting the document has to be the one to prove whatever they're trying to prove, to, to argue that it was done incorrectly, the person was under the influence, un undue influence, uh, did not have the capacity to, to execute the document they were executing. Um, the person who is, who is challenging has the burden of, of proving that, whereas with a will contest, the person who is the proponent of the will, who offers the will up in probate, has to first prove that it was duly executed. And then the burden shifts to the challenger. So there's a little extra step taken in a, in a will contest than in a trust contest that the, that the person who's the proponent of the document has to, has to overcome. It's pretty easily done, usually, because wills are not that hard to execute properly. Um, so in, in the end, it ends up being kind of the same. Uh, where the person who is challenging the document it really is the one that has to prove that when the document was executed, there was something that was that was wrong, um, that the, that the testator or the trustor uh, didn't know what they were doing, and you know it, it should be adjusted for that purpose. I think we probably ought to be very clear with people that successful will contests and successful trust contests are both very rare. There are a lot of people who want to contest a will or a trust, and sometimes they even file actions. They're not all that commonly filed, but successful proceedings are pretty rare. So if you have signed a will or a trust and, it, and you've done it properly, if you've mechanically done the things you're supposed to do, you're pretty, you can be pretty confident that your wishes will be carried out. The other thing about trust contests that I think we might generalize, Jackie, and, and you can speak from some recent experience on this, that sometimes the trust contests are not about whether the document was valid or properly executed or the person was in their right mind when they did it. That sometimes the contest is about how the trustee is administering the trust. That's right. Um, that, is a, that, is a, that is actually a very common um, uh, litigation that occurs, that the, the trustee, for whatever reason, is not following the terms of the trust, doesn't really know what they're doing, a lot of trustees think that they can do it on their own without legal counsel, um, and they they just don't do it right. They don't follow the terms, and so the beneficiaries will can bring uh, a, a lawsuit that requires them to you know fulfill their duties and, and can remove them and replace them if 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 their um, if their breaches of their duties are s serious enough. Once again, there's a difference between the trust contest in this setting and the will contest. If, if you're the personal representative of your estate has misbehaved, well, they're already in the court. That's how they became a, the personal representative. Your will didn't make them the personal representative. It was the court's order that did, and they're already subject to the court's jurisdiction. If they're doing something wrong, the family members who are aggrieved 
just have to uh, have to ask the court to step in and, and adjust what they're doing. Whereas with the trust, it's not subject to the court's supervision and therefore somebody has to initiate a new proceeding. Well, you might say that means wills are better than trusts, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, if what you're trying to do in the document that you're preparing is minimize family conflicts, the trust is likely to create a barrier to people who want to quibble about small things, about who got the locket that may have come from your grandmother. Um, that's just not going to rise to the level of, of getting a, a trust contest, whereas it might be part of a will contest because it's in the final accounting of the personal representative, and that's an invitation to go to the probate court. And I would say in some cases, um, you know, you might want the court oversight. Um, if you name a personal representative that might be not so good with structure, um, th there, are, there are rules built in to the, the court proceeding for a, for, a, for a will administration that they don't really have um, as strict rules for trusts. So if, it's, if you name somebody that needs a little bit of structure, you know, having a, having a court proceeding might not be a terrible thing. And if you name somebody who's perfectly good at structure, but you know that there is a contestant in the family, you might, not very often I would say, but you might reason that having court oversight is uh, it's going to happen anyway and you just as well invite it from the inception. Right, and that's one thing that people need to realize is if, you know, you, you do a trust often um, for privacy reasons because it doesn't go before the probate court. Um, but if your family's going to be fighting, it's going to end up there anyway. There's not going to be any privacy. That's going to all become part of the public record um, if there's a dispute over the trust administration or the trust terms, uh, even ambiguities and things if a, if a trust isn't drafted proper properly can come before the court. Um, so it's good for privacy, but only up to a point. So what I think you're saying is this is all complicated. You have to really think through a lot of things when you're drafting your estate plan, whether you're going to do a will or a trust, who you're going to name as a trustee or personal representative, which used to be called executor, uh, who you're going to have managing your affairs if you become incapacitated before you die. Are you suggesting that these are hard choices to make, Jackie? Well, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is always that it depends. It depends on a person's individual situation. Sometimes the answers are easy. Um, often they're not. But at every point, people should carefully think through them uh, before they make a final choice. And they can amend that, too, usually. And I get to close with the other lawyer observation. This is exactly why you need to talk to a qualified lawyer. This is what we do all day, every day. And we have some experience and background. You're going to say, oh, my kids will never fight. Uh, guess what? We have seen kids just like yours fighting tooth and nail um, to the bitter end, and, um, and we can help re re reduce the likelihood of that happening or penalize the person who initiates an improper fight without, without penalizing the person who initiates a fight that ought to be undertaken. It's a tough area to be in, no doubt about it. Well, you've been listening to me, Robert Fleming, and my partner, Jackie Mingle. We are two of the partners at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And, uh, and this podcast we call Elder Law Issues because, well, we talk about elder and law and issues. And we hope you will join us for our next installment. Thanks. <laughs>